Tampa Brady, Tampa Bay, Champa Bay, whatever nickname you like, Tampa Bay routes Kansas City. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Oh, welcome to the Greg Cody Show. What was that noise? (laughs) What a night that was. What a night we just saw. A Super Bowl night like no other. (laughs) Uh, It it was history-making. And uh, for a lot of reasons, and mainly, it was the first Super Bowl in 30 years where I was neither at the Super Bowl nor hosting a Super Bowl party. It was making this by you. Well, I think that's the most important thing that we need to talk about first. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Exactly. And so my wife and I are home alone, (laughs) and the kitchen was a hive. It was a beehive of activity. I'm in the kitchen. I'm making braised Hoisin short ribs, cheesesteak empanadas, I mean, slow cooker buffalo chicken dip. I mean, it was a fantastic spread at the Cody Homestead, but that's enough about me. But I feel like the empanadas weren't that good. I feel like those, you, you took a big hack, you tried to do something a little different. I bet those ended up being very just like, you know. They were actually pretty good. Really? Yeah, they were really good. I crimped, uh, you know, you buy the puff pastry sheets. I crimped uh, the edge of the dough. It cooked beautifully in the oven, 425 for 15 minutes. Uh, it was a beautiful, I mean, they, they were just fantastic. But I think we probably ought to get to the football game. Um, <laughs> enough about you. Enough about me. Okay, so Tampa Bay, and uh, we can say whatever we want, Tampa Brady, Tampa Bay, Champa Bay, whatever nickname you like. Tampa Bay routes Kansas City 31 to 9 or should I say Tom Brady routes Patrick Mahomes 31 to 9. Would you predict um, this game? Um you, you had to ask, didn't you? Yeah. I predicted Kansas City. Me too. Like most, like right most of the country. We're doing yeah. this right now. We're doing our open uh, on Sunday. Um this is this this episode doesn't make sense cuz like we talked to Stu Gotson a little bit and uh we hadn't watched the game at that point. So we're going to go back in time in a little bit. You should come with us. It's fun. It's a really fun conversation. <laughs> it gets deep. But the fo- even our football coverage, we cover all the angles before the game even happens. And uh, it's fun. But, uh, yeah, it, I can't believe how crazy Brady is. I, I'm just still a little hurt from how much money I lost. So I'm like a little rattled from this uh, night. You know, it's weird because everybody expected this all-time great game. You know, in our minds, it's going to come into overtime and somebody, one of these two great all-time quarterbacks is going to throw a touchdown pass to win it dramatically in overtime. And instead, the big game was a big letdown, a big disappointment, a big rout. If a few penalties go a different way in that first half, like this game is totally different. I know it was a blowout and it's hard for the Chiefs to make any argument that they were close to winning. But right. there were a few cru- crucial penalties some were just mistakes by the Chiefs, but a few of them were suspect. Those Mike Evans penalties were, you know, incidental feet contact. And well, I mean, don't don't you dare blame the referees for this because Kansas City in the first half had the greatest lack of composure I've ever seen from a championship team 
in a championship those game. Those balls I mean, were not. It, those balls were not catchable. Those balls were not catchable. Some well, of them. It, it, that could be, but it was a rout. It was never close. I mean, Kansas City led three nothing, and from that point on, there was it, it was no contest to me. Uh, Patrick, I almost felt bad for Patrick Mahomes. He was under relentless pressure. Oh, yeah, he I had, think I think he had like forty five dropbacks. And I think he had like eight or ten clean dropbacks. You know, he was just under relentless pressure. Like, and, what, what were we thinking picking the Chiefs? The the Bucks had the second most sacks in the NFL this season. He was missing two, I believe, of his starting offensive yes. linemen. Yep. Like, what were we thinking? <laughs> and what you said about Patrick Mahomes, he like the, the two most because imp- it was a boring game to be honest. Yeah, but it was. Two, but two of the most impressive plays were just incomplete passes from Patrick Mahomes where he's just scrambling around that one that almost got completed in the corner of the end zone where he scrambled around and spun and chucked it downfield. And then the next play he's rolling to his right. And as he's falling down, he's like throwing a submarine pass like 30 yards on a dart that just hits his receiver in the helmet. Like he had a lot of drops. Patrick Mahomes had like zero help from the offensive line and from his receivers, a lot of drops. Uh, Patrick Mahomes also had zero help from his toe because he obviously wasn't healthy. But he did. Uh, no, but he was healthy. He played. No, no, he wasn't. He's I, know he's cer- not, I know he's not healthy. I know his foot you just is said there. he was healthy. But, Dad, did you not watch the game? He was, like, amazing. They like, they were dropping all his passes. He was he was scrambling around, avoiding everything. He never got sacked hardly. Okay. We were watching different games. When he was dropping back, he had a very difficult time eluding yeah large defensive lineman uh he he wasn't himself but that's not an excuse uh tom brady wins his seventh super bowl ring patrick mahomes is at one let's quit with the the one thing i love about this result is that we can sort of table the um the scenario that hey patrick mahomes is the next goat he's destined to surpass tom brady in all-time wins let's just pump brakes on that one shall we what do you think we can pump up. I mean, obviously. I mean, I can't. It'd be hard to accelerate on that and not, you know. The, the brakes need to at least be tapped. Yeah, let's let's no, let's not tap the brakes. Let's screech. We want to hear screeching tires right now. How does Brady the look so good in this? In that that Super HD is something, huh? Because like all these networks bust out this like Super HD for these like big games where it's like the different angles and like it just looks right. clear. Like, is it just expensive to do that? Like, why can't we get that every game? How would <laughs> we look, that? We would look terrible in that Super HD. All the common folk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Brady looks amazing, but. Right. Brady always looks amazing. Yeah. On and off the field. Mm-hmm. We all hate him and, and respect him and love him and hate him at the same time. All right. Before we move on and get to Stugatz and all the fun and all the serious stuff and the rest of the pod, um, I want to mention real quickly that. Uh, Dolphins great Zach Thomas got screwed again. The uh, Hall of Fame voters did him no favors by uh, denying him Canton again in the Hall of Fame vote. Uh, I uh, championed him with several columns uh, saying that he should make the Hall of Fame, and he should, and uh, maybe next year, but his continuing to be denied the Hall of Fame is, uh, is really a crime. It really is because he's so deserving. Is much it? more, yeah, much more deserving than John Lynch, who got in. Um, if you look at, um, and why, I've done. Why are all these guys getting in ahead of him though? Like, maybe, like, 
could it just be that like we're so close to him down here that we don't see him with the perspective that the whole country does and that maybe he's just a guy that happens to be on the brink like he's a, a great player like i remember him being a beast like right. but you know I, my prism was very like you know i saw just the dolphins down here so well there's a here here's a couple of things number one zach thomas's uh career was on the same timeline as Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher. So he got overshadowed in his time. But um, Thanks for a good job putting your phone on silent. I know, sorry. But uh, it's just people congratulating me for some tweets tonight. But um, if, you, if you look at Brian Urlacher's career stats and Zach Thomas's, they're almost equal, other than the fact that Zach Thomas had several hundred more career tackles in about the Brian same Ur- amount of Brian time. Brian Urlacher had more commercials. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. Because here's the thing. Brian Urlacher is a 6'4 beast who enters the league as a first-round draft pick. Uh, Zach Thomas is a 5'10 hired uh, fire hydrant who is like a sixth-round guy who nobody's ever heard of. And so they start from different places. Uh, Zach Thomas didn't do a whole lot of winning because the Dolphins didn't have very good teams in his time, but his stats measure up. They really do. And, um, you know, he, he really deserves to be in. If you, if, again, if you compare his timeline with Erlacher's, um, the stats, the, the career accomplishments are very comparable. Here's another quick one. His teammate, Jason Taylor makes the hall of fame and deservedly. I mean, he's just really good looking. Well, there you go. Zach Thomas made more pro bowls than Jason Taylor did. Like Jason, okay. like Jason Taylor would gr- look great in the Super HD that we had tonight. <clears throat> you got that right. So mm-hmm. if you're going by Zach commercials, Thomas, not as much. Okay, if you're going by commercials, and then who'd look better, prettier in HD? Then you're right. Zach doesn't deserve it. But someday, might you the Hall of Fame like, you voters can't give will... me like a two percent, three percent, five percent chance that maybe you're just we're just in this market a little too close to it, and he just might be a cusp just outside of the Hall of Fame guy. And that's okay. That's a great player. There is that chance. It's actually not a great player. It's a really good player. There is that chance. But in my opinion, um, Zach Thomas deserves the Hall of Fame. Should have gotten in this year. And I think he will get in eventually. Push through and don't put your phone on silent now, whatever you do. Just keep it through. Keep the volume up. Let's just keep dinging this thing along. Right. We're dinging it. Dinging it. All right. We're going to get to a new month, Greg Moore, soon. But first... We bring in Stu Gotts, and um, he's going to talk a little Super Bowl. But I love all- the way I love the way we tackled the Super Bowl with Stu Gotts, as you hear, loud engine guy. Everybody hates loud engine guy, by the way. Nobody likes <laughs> loud engine. Like if you're listening to this and you're the guy with loud engine, just so you know, your friends make fun of you when you're not around. Anyways, Stu Gotts, we had him on Saturday. The Super Bowl was Sunday. This comes out obviously Monday. Um, so we tackled all the angles to the Super Bowl before we watched it. And honestly, after watching the Super Bowl, he nailed some of it. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to hear this conversation we had before the Super Bowl after you've watched the Super Bowl. I actually think it's going to play pretty well. And, and we do, like, you know, you can tee up the other stuff. We go pretty deep with them. We don't need to give away everything. But, like, we talk, you know, Stugatz has had it rough recently, so we get into it. Yeah, Stugatz has also had a rough personal time recently, and we talk about that and – he gets very emotional, and I get very emotional. Yeah, I wonder so, if you could bet on which one of the two cries. I got. I, I have my money on Greg Cody. All right, here's two gods. Mainly because I heard the interview.
Hey, hey. Yo. Hey, hey. Thank you for um, making good on your promise to uh, circle back and be on my my little podcast again. I am making good on my promise. Yes. Yeah. Your little podcast. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am delivering on a promise. You are. Yes. A promise. I'm uh, the promise I made in the depths of my mom passing away. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I got you at a vulnerable time and took full advantage, which I'm not proud of. Um, That's okay. You, uh, you, you, I realize I realize why Dan has been like, hey, if a guy doesn't respond to you, like I realize over the years because I'll just keep pressing you. Maybe there's something going on in right. their life, and I don't give a shit. So why should you, Greg Cody? Okay. Well, you um, mentioned a tough time it's been for your family, and I just you know. Fans of, of your show and Dan's show care so deeply about you all. Um, and you've been through a, a tough personal time with your mom yeah. passing. And I'm just wondering, and, and I know listeners want to know, are you doing okay? How, how are you and the family handling it? Um, no, I appreciate that. Um, there's a couple of things, Greg. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing okay. The family's doing okay. Um, each day progressively gets a little bit better. Uh, the first couple of days... I was telling Dan this, like, you know, we had my mom's funeral last Saturday and I came in on on Monday to do the show and it was like an outer body experience. I, I was there, but I didn't feel like I was there. Yeah. Um, I just kept bouncing in and out. And now some might say this is me on a normal day, but from <laughs> listening to not listening to being engaged to not being engaged. Uh, but, Greg, the importance of me being there throughout this was not about whether I felt like I was there or contributing. It was just being around the guys, being yeah. around Dan, being around Chris, being around Mike, the shipping container, being around you, uh, being able to laugh and smile. And if I forgot about it for five minutes, fantastic. Um, that was kind of the goal of me being there. Um, I can tell you this, the love and support I have felt from our audience, and I'm not surprised by it, has been amazing. And it's helped uh, get me through what has been the most difficult week of my life. Um, not just the donations they've made to both of my mom's charities, which they crashed one of the sites. And I love them for that. That's great. Uh, but just the support via Twitter, uh, emails, letters I've gotten in the mail uh, have been fantastic. So yesterday, I will tell you, Greg, uh, we're taping this on a Saturday. I got my dad out for nine holes for the first time. Um, and great. that was nice to be able to nice. get him outside, play nine holes with him. He started the round that you'll laugh at this by saying, you know, Mom just passed. I don't care. I'm not keeping score. I don't care how I shoot. I don't care. I said, Dad, by the fourth hole, you'll be, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be cursing right. and throwing clubs. And fourth hole, he drove one about 72 yards right into the water and started cursing. I mean, just f bombs and threw a club, and I think he broke one. And so, <laughs> Dad's getting back to uh, to be a dad again, and uh, the awesome. family's getting back to. Uh, to some sort of normalcy. We miss mom, Mr. Dealey. I think about her every single day. I don't think 15 minutes go by where I don't think about her, uh, but we're just trying to get back to some sort of normalcy. You know, what you mentioned about the cathartic aspect of, of just being there, you know, so soon afterward on the show, it just underlines that the show is is your second family and and the listeners by extension are almost like family that, that that's how close the bond is and, and it's pretty it's an amazing thing to experience and, and it's been a de delight for me to see that bond sort of from afar you know you've you felt it greg you have felt what our audience and what this show 
uh, is all about. I'm not even certain it's a second family as much as it is an extension of, of my family. Yeah. Um, they have been such a big part of my life, of my family's life. Uh, Dan and I have been doing this for 20 years. So Dan has, I mean... And my daughters are are going to be seniors in high school, so they're going to be they're going to college soon. And and right. uh, we started this show, you know, kind of right around when when they were born. And so we've been there for each other through good times, through bad times. Um, and I would, you know, I've spent more time with that radio family, I think, over the last twenty years that I have with my actual family. Amazing, which is, <laughs> which is just amazing. And and by extension. I've spent that time every single day with our audience. And so I think what the audience truly gets about us is that we care about each other deeply. Uh, it is not just shtick. It is not just something you see on the radio. We all care about each other deeply. They love that. And we care about them. And because they know we care about them, care about their feelings, care about carrying them through bad times in their lives. Um, I think, uh, you know, they care about us that same way because they know our feelings are genuine towards them. They know how much we appreciate them. And I think they really appreciate us. And and listen, it might not be good every day, but we'll go in there every day and we'll crank out something. <laughs> exactly. And we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's good. And I think they respect that. I think they respect that because they love us and they respect all the shtick, all the stuff we do, Greg. They know how hard we all work. Oh, yeah put out a pretty good product every single day and, and we appreciate them very very much and i think they know that yep greg levitard over here griefing <laughs> like can we like have to like did you just bring him on here to like do this like he's on, having a grief sandwich right uh, now man. you know i am and uh <laughs> a saturday brunch i mean it, it you know what it, it's because i've been through it, it it's because i, I understand no, and i like and i enjoy talking about it greg seriously yeah and and you know because i remember and and i'm not gonna we're going to go back I'm, to I'm it. I'm not going to belabor this, but... Let him go back to it, Chris, I'm okay? teasing, I'm teasing. The, the reason that um, your mom passing resonates with me is that I have experienced it. And, and I remember the last time my brother and I ever saw my father. He was in hospice, and um, we had to say goodnight to him. And he could barely speak at that time. And I could see in his eyes that he knew that, you know, that we'd never see him again. Yeah. Yeah, I, Greg, I had I had similar situations. Um, I don't mind talking about this at all. And you have been you have been you and your entire family, Chris as well, have been hugely supportive throughout this, um, as has the entire show. And I appreciate it. There there are just listen, my mom's not here anymore. That's tough to come to grips with. Um, yeah. It comes and goes, you know, Um I found myself just doing weird things like I'm driving down to the radio station, to the studios and driving home with no music on, no sound on. I'm just kind of wrapped in my thoughts about my mom. That's what's been going on the last week. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult. And I think what's hard, and I said this on the air, what's difficult about COVID, Greg, is it happened so quickly. It's a roller coaster. Um, and really, at the end of the day, the tragedy in, in all of this is not physically being able to be there for someone who has been there for you their entire life. Yeah. And that the, the loneliness and the and the inability to be able to help your mom during her most difficult time, when she's always been there for you during your most difficult times, um, was really painful for me. And so uh, the one thing I did that was really difficult to do, but it was it was a suggestion from a friend of mine is as I talked my mom right up to the last, you know, couple of seconds, because uh, I didn't want her to be alone. Right. Um, I wanted to feel like at least someone was in her ear and that someone was her son, yep. her youngest son. And as hard as it was for me to do, uh, and I said this uh, when I spoke at the funeral, 
I had never felt closer to my mom than I did in that moment. Uh, the final few minutes as I'm talking to her, yeah, uh, talking to her, to, talking, talking her to sleep, essentially, mm-hmm. is what it was. So, um, telling her it was okay to go. And, uh, but it's a tough feeling. I told Chris, I texted Chris, hey, lay off your dad, go give him a hug. Like, I yeah. found myself, this is what I've been doing <laughs> lately. Hey, go give your dad a hug. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like parent police right now. I'm like, hey, go give your mom a hug. Appreciate her more. I have to say, man, like, and you mentioned your speech because I was on that Zoom and like, you're, I know I texted you this. It was there were so many parts of your speech that like really like struck a chord with me, just because like you know I have a daughter now and she makes noise in the background. Yeah. And uh, in in just like you know thinking about my parents and it was just it was really a moving speech. I, I haven't uh, to, I haven't told you this yet, Chris. Your text afterwards, Mike sent me a text about. Um... Who was the quarterback? Oh, it was Matthew Stafford uh, yeah, not wanting to go to the Patriots. And I said, Mike said, can you believe this? And I said, what I can't believe is you sent this to me an hour after I put my mom six feet under the ground. Uh, <laughs> but that's Mike. He did it for a reason, and it made me smile. Chris sent me a more appropriate text that I am telling you, Greg, made me cry. Chris, I have not told you this. I was crying. Elephant tears, Chris. Crocodile tears. <laughs> no, like Chris, it was, Chris I meant really, it, though. I meant well, it. Well, I appreciated it very much. I, I didn't need to cry anymore that day, but you did it, Chris. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. No, it was yeah. good. It was a very nice text. I appreciate it. All right. As we segue awkwardly, as Dan likes to say. Um, there, is no se- so, there is no segueing away from death. I mean. All right. So we have a super. All right. So it's, we're recording this, as Stugat said, on Saturday. But the Super Bowl is Sunday, and this comes out on Monday. And I thought there'd be no person better in sports media to kind of give us, you know, we need to cover both sides here, Stugatz. So, like, we need to react to this game before it's happened as if Mahomes is one. So we're, can you just, like, give us a take for both ways? I was trying I was trying to think of a segue from death into the Super Bowl, actually, <laughs> as you were talking there. Greg, what would it be? Um, Tom Brady's w- – Will this be Tom Brady's funeral? <laughs> Career funeral? Will, will Tom Brady ever die? Will Tom no, Brady finally terrible. die? <laughs> uh, and the so answer is want? the answer is no. He will never yeah. die, Tom Brady. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Listen, if the Chiefs win Patrick Mahomes two Super Bowls before the age of 25, uh, I think we could safely say or assume that Patrick Mahomes, when it's all said and done, is going to end up being the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. If he gets two back to back, one of them against Brady, okay, on Brady's home field, he does all of that before the age of 25. I think we are clearly looking at what is going to end up being the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen in the NFL. Now, if the Bucks win, we have just witnessed the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. This is a guy who has been to 10 Super Bowl, 10 amazing Super Bowls. <laughs> Okay, has won seven of those 10, and the three he lost were to Eli Manning and Nick Foles. I mean, (laughs) it is is unbelievable. So seven Super Bowls where Dan Marino doesn't have one, where Aaron Rodgers only has one, where Terry Bradshaw got to four, Montana got to four, Steve Young only has one, Favre only has one, and here is this guy at the age of 43 – Playing in his 10th, winning his 7th, the greatest athlete, the greatest winner we've seen, not just in the NFL, in the history of sports, and I'm including <laughs> Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. Yep. How about that? I mean, And so Brady, if Brady just won, this Mahomes guy's a fraud now. Like, uh, if he would have won, Listen, he if Brady wins Mahomes, you know what he is? 
I mean, Mahomes is Joe Flacco. Yeah, a little overrated. <laughs> right, I don't even, he's a guy, I mean, a million guys have won one of these. Joe Flacco, you know what he is? He's Trent Dilfer. Oh, oh. but if Mahomes wins, but if Mahomes wins. The greatest ever. The greatest I ever. I mean, better than Brady. I mean, so this game technically is for everything. Wow. It is for the greatest of all time. That's a, It's not only for the Super Bowl, the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Whoever wins this is the greatest winner in the history of professional sports. Yes. And if, only if Brady does that. If Mahomes does it too, he still has some catching up to do to the other guys. But, Greg, I'm being serious here for a second. If Brady wins this, because of the randomness of that sport, where Marino gets there at 84 and thinks he's going to get back every year, and yep. so did you, and so did all Dolphin fans. Yes to play in 10 of these and win seven and to do so at the age of 43 and to play in three of them after the age of 40, he's the greatest winner in the history of professional sports, including Michael Jordan, right? He is, and the interesting footnote to that is that he leaves Bill Belichick and does it anyway. He goes out on his own and proves for the world to see that this wasn't Belichick doing all this winning. This was Tom Brady. Yes. Did he retire last night? Because, like, well, this is Monday now. We're reacting to what happened last night. Let's pray, let, let's go down the path. Brady won. Is Did he announce his retirement on that stage? Uh, there's no way Brady's going to announce his retirement. And listen, it's the greatest gauntlet in the history of gauntlets. If he goes through and wins this... It, listen, he just came off a stretch here. We have to play it as if this is Monday, right? He just came off a stretch here where he beat <laughs> Drew Brees on the road, Aaron Rodgers on the road, Patrick Mahomes at home, but essentially a neutral field. Poor Heineke, the guy, the Washington quarterback that he'll never be remembered. And here's the beauty of Brady. Last night, after he beats Mahomes, I'm fully expecting that Tom Brady is going to say, you know what? That's it. I've won seven. I just beat Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes. I'm out of here. I am done. He doesn't do it. Why? Because he's the ultimate competitor. Why? Because he thinks he can play till the age of 50. Why? Because why would you quit? When you have that team, that offense, those skill position players, that defense, and you're barely getting touched every year. And so I cannot believe after running that gauntlet, winning his seventh Super Bowl, that Brady is coming back and wanting to do it again. Because that was the perfect ending, but he doesn't care. He's going to end it on his terms, and that's why he's the greatest of all time. There is no way he retires. <clears throat> nope, he did. You guys are both wrong. You sound like idiots, because he did. Last okay. night, he won, and he retired. Okay. Actually, but if Mahomes won, how about this Andy Reid? Uh, where's he on the greatest coach of all time list? I know he's not Belichick, but this is quite the resume if Andy Reid wins. I mean, so listen, I cannot believe Andy Reid, who I criticized many, many years ago for getting rid of Alex Smith in favor of Patrick Mahomes. Man, was I wrong. Here is Andy Reid now, a guy who could never win the big game, who has won the biggest of games back-to-back seasons. And I am telling you, he is just a couple of Super Bowls away in my mind. If he can win three or four in a row, then that will eclipse Bill Belichick as the greatest coach of all time because Belichick won six, but he only did a few back-to-back, never won three straight. Andy Reid, if he wins three or four straight, greatest coach in the history. He is mm-hmm. one Super Bowl away next year, Chris, from being uh, called the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Yep, Three Agreed. consecutive Super Bowls. Better than mm-hmm. Shula, better <laughs> than Belichick, better than Vince Party, better than all of them. Andy Reid <laughs> couldn't win the big game five years ago, and now the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. How about that? <laughs> Things happen How fast. Things happen fast in sports. <laughs> Um, there's a, you know, Brady said earlier, just last week, a few days before the Super Bowl, 
he said that he's going to play until he he thinks he can play until he's 45 and maybe past 45 and it's very strategic that when he left the Patriots that he signed with an NFC team okay because he saw the roadblock that Mahomes poses right. and he yes. wanted to get away from that so by being in the NFC Brady thinks that he can't necessarily win a lot more Super Bowl but he can get there because he doesn't yes. have to go through Mahomes and that's that's pretty brilliant that he ended up choosing the NFC. Um, Stugatz, we're um, we're going to let you go. I want to do um, and and thank you very much for coming on and and you know sharing some personal feelings about your mom, talking a little sure. Super Bowl. I want to end with uh, what you can tell the listeners about the future of the show. Not where you know you, you're not going to break any news. You you may not even know anything yet, but sure. just a, a timetable, a sense that. Hey, we should know within two weeks, within two months. Like, what's the what's the prognosis in terms of a timetable on when people are going to know where they can, where and how they can consume the show? I think what's cool about this process has been the amount of companies that are interested uh, in this show. That's been that's been really flattering uh, for me and Dan. And right. so, I know we have anywhere between eight to ten options. Um, wow. Yeah, which again is, is super flattering. I think what the whole crew and Chris could kind of lend to this a little bit. Uh, what we're trying to figure out, Dan and I love the high wire act of doing live radio, um, but we also realize that we're in the digital age and podcasting, and we have seen the numbers. I always told Dan, me and Mike would always say this: "Hey, if our show just lived digitally, um, it would explode." And that's what we've seen here uh, during this pirate phase, where the only place you can consume us is via the podcast and the podcast numbers, which were already amazing, have gone through the roof, which uh, was not surprising. I don't think to me, Mike, or anyone on the show, because now you have a show, Greg, we used to just repurpose our show as a podcast. Now the podcast is the show. And Dan and I have grown to kind of, to enjoy that aspect of it where we're just doing the podcast. Um, There's no time restrictions to what it is that we do. Um, And so I think what we're, the main thing we're trying to figure out is, do we want to continue to do live radio, something that we love doing? Uh, do we want to just do a podcast or do we want to hybrid them both? And so I think that's it's really on us to decide that. And once we've decided that, then I think the announcement will come a, a lot quicker. But I, I can tell you that we're still kind of working through that decision as to what we want to do. I think <laughs> that's I say that having no idea what is going on okay because the last person they're going to say anything to is me because they know i'm going to blurt it out to you greg and that's why you mentioned eight to ten companies in the running Uh, i know you can't comment probably but can you eliminate or say whether the miami herald podcast network is in the running (laughs) i can safely say that no one has reached out to us from that oh see they they missed an opportunity you got to at least inquire if you're the Herald. Yeah, yeah. The Herald's out. I can tell you that. They're not one of them. Okay. Well, in uh, in all seriousness, what a luxury that the show has earned to have uh, so many people who want you and, and to make it your decision, the show's decision, how it's going to be. You're not, you know, you, you have enough offers where you can't, uh, a company can't say, hey, we'll take you if you do this because you have you have the choices and that's great. Yeah, I think Dan and I always, uh, 20 years of doing this. So if you want to call this a final chapter, and that final chapter is somewhere in the neighborhood of five to 10 years, I have no long, I have no idea how long it's going to be. Uh, what he and I discussed, we loved our time at ESPN. You guys know that. You were there with us. Um, I got to do things I never thought I'd be able to do professionally, um, and I made friendships for life there. 
I went oh, to the ESPN calf. Yep, you did. You, I mean, Kirchin story time. I remember watching. I took pictures of that Kirchin telling you guys stories and how happy <laughs> Chris was. Um, but we had a great time there. It helped expand our audience. It helped grow our names. It helped grow our brand. Uh, but Dan and I always wanted to finish this, Greg, on our own terms, our own way, with really no one to kind of answer to. And uh, so uh, we have the luxury after 20 years of being able to do that. And we're thrilled. And uh, we're excited to take the audience and the shipping container and you and everyone that's involved with this show uh, along for the ride because it's going to be a it's going to be a fun last chapter. It's going to be on our terms. Uh, and I think as good as our show has been the last 20 years, I think our best work is still ahead of us. I really believe that we're going to be like the GameStop stock. We're going to soar <laughs> and then we're going to crash. But it's going to be a fun ride. <laughs> Why are we crashing? Why don't we? I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say, I, I don't know if I love that GameStop we'll analogy. Last, <laughs> we'll last a little longer than GameStop. Okay, but that's better. We're just going to be crazy, though. Like the way it's going, I don't know, whatever. Terrible analogy. Okay. Tenology. Anyway, Stu Gatz, thanks for joining us. Today. <laughs> well, we. Uh, analogy! <laughs> we've been delighted to be joined by the king of the wonderful Stupidity podcast, uh, which we all listen to every week. And um, before. Uh, we let you go. Give us the, the links to the two foundations that were so dear to your mom's heart. Yeah, there's two. Uh, thank you, Greg. Uh, makingheadway.org uh, is where is the work that my mom did uh, with so many great people. Um, and one of the amazing things is the amount of stories my brother and I text, emails we got from strangers about people, kids. My mom helped 20, 30, 40 years ago. Wow. Um, and yeah, and really what my mom did was she helped underprivileged kids get some of the same educational uh, opportunities as and sick kids, uh, the same educational opportunities that that we all had growing up. And she also helped them get uh, underprivileged kids who were who were going through uh, terminal illness and just illness in general. Uh, she would help them get benefits, medical benefits and get them the same hospital services as as every other kid had. So she really did a a lot of great work. So you can go to makingheadway.org to make a donation. That is the site that our listeners crashed when I tweeted it out. The guy called me. He could not believe it. Uh, we have raised, I think, north of $15,000 already. So thank wow. you to the audience for that. And the other one is fundraise.arthritis.org. Uh, my mom suffered from chronic arthritis, Greg, and uh, she was in pain, uh, physical pain, every single day uh, before she got COVID. And uh, the pain was so bad that there were times where she would wake up, uh, couldn't move, couldn't get out of bed. She'd call me and she would actually say these words that were heartbreaking to hear. And it's heartbreaking for me to say, I don't want to be here. Uh, that's wow. how bad the pain was. So uh, go to that site. If you can make a donation to people suffering from arthritis, uh, not enough people know about this, but the daily chronic pain of this is is uh, will suck the life out of you. And it was doing that to my mom before she got COVID. So. Well, um, that, that the work of those two foundations continues in your mom's name is a, a hell of a legacy, a terrific legacy for her to leave. And um, you, you're a proud son and should be. And seriously, uh, thanks. A prun. <laughs> he's relentless he really i love him for it okay <laughs> i love both of you guys thank you seriously I love thanks you. Dude, seriously on that thank you appreciate All it right. all right thank you Stu Gatz. um good friend of ours and a, and a good friend of the show i think we've resisted um 
having him on too much. I think that's his third appearance uh, in almost a, a year of this podcast, uh, third or fourth at the most. So anyway, thank you, Stu Gatz. Uh, everybody's used to him, you know, being the, the clown second fiddle on the Levitard show. And um, he shows a different side in this podcast. And we really appreciate him opening up because he just uh, lost his mom and talks very emotionally about that. And we appreciate and yet, it. And yet you were the one that ended up crying in that interview. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, can't, I can't, you know, I was, as somebody who's lost both his parents, what he's uh, been, been going through and is still going through uh, hit me close to home. Anyway. And yet, and yet again, I'm the heartless jerk. All right. <laughs> you said it, not me. But seriously, let's, uh, let's move on to the ridiculous, which is our comfort zone around here. It's time for another installment of Mount Greg Moore. What are we telling the audience here about? I'll him? tell you. I'll tell you exactly what I'm telling them, which is that Mount Gregmore is back in the hands of the inventor this week because Chris said he wanted to do it every other week, but has already gotten lazy and handed it off. What do you have to say in your defense? <laughs> I don't have a defense, man. It's okay. just. It's just a. It's a to do, man. Like I have enough. We all have stuff every week for work that we got to do, and I'm just. I don't like this to do. I'm glad right. you you do it better than me. You put more effort into it than I do. Okay. Just you do it. All right. All right. You have the chance. You, it, it's an open door policy. You have the chance to do it whenever you want. But for now, this week, it's the most notable alumni of the University of Miami. Non-sports. No hurricane athletes here. We're limiting this to those who graduated or attended UM from the entertainment field, the entertainment realm. Um... Two quick caveats before we start. Uh, we eliminated UM grad Dan Levitard from consideration because he's our friend and we didn't want to be, you know, claims of impartiality and, you know, whatever. And we did not include Dwayne The Rock Johnson because even though he became famous and filthy rich as an actor, he was also first a Canes football player. So, on to the mountain. First, our honorable mention. This surprised me as I did the research, had no idea. She received a master's degree in English and French at UM, and in the 1940s wrote for the Miami Beach Tropics newspaper, which I'd never heard of. She was the actress Nancy Culp, later best known as Miss Jane Hathaway on the popular and long-running Beverly Hillbillies. Maybe I should have kept the reins of this bit. And now, number five. She graduated from UM in 1979 with a BA in psychology and was in college working as a translator for the Miami International Airport Customs Department. Went on to international fame as a Grammy-winning singer, Havana-born but Miami through and through, Gloria Estefan. Solid, solid. Number four, he studied film at the U, eventually dropped out, but began performing stand-up comedy in Miami. It was the career firestarter for a comedian and actor best known for his roles on Curb Your Enthusiasm and the Goldbergs, Jeff Garland. Number three, <laughs> he attended but dropped out of UM. Meeting his future wife there, he would go on to become the darling of science fiction fans with his eternal claim to fame. He was the creator of the original Star Trek television series, Gene Roddenberry. Never heard of him. All right, number two. I feel like I'm being negative again. I'm sorry, okay? You you really are negative, particularly when it comes to um, Mount Gregmore, quite frankly. Right. Number two, 
A young woman named Grace Wing attended UM in 1958 and 59. Not long after that, she would change her name and become a forerunner of the psychedelic era in rock music as the front woman for Jefferson Airplane, known to the world as Grace Slick. I feel obligated to be complimentary of that one. That was a good okay. one. Yeah, you liar. It was a good one, but you're too young to, to remember Grace Slick. And now, number one. He was a drama major at the University of Miami from 1967 to 69 and went on to become the only actor in American film history to star in a number one box office hit in five consecutive decades. Yo, Adrian. That's right. Yeah. It's Rocky Balboa himself, Sylvester Stallone. Solid. <laughs> right, I got a solid. I, I am happy with this because I didn't have to do the work. Okay. So, you know what? A+. plus. Okay. All right. Well, uh, listen, uh, we're going to wrap this up now. We're bow tying it. And um, How often do you wrap it up? I wrap it up once every episode and on Christmas. <laughs> Christmas week and ending in it every episode is the only time I wrap things with bows. Right over your head. Uh, it, it, yeah. What does that mean? What are you getting at? All right. We had a bunch of Super Bowl talk on uh, Sunday night's game. Uh, Stu Gotts, our special guest, and we're always thrilled to have him in. Uh, railed against Zach Thomas not making the Hall of Fame and uh, and all that kind of crap. And now we're putting an end to this. <laughs> that sounds a little that was final. A, that was a weird recap of like everything we just talked about on the show. I know, and I also like, you know you know the people already heard it. Like you don't have to tell the people on the way out everything they just heard. I know. What is the the way to wrap up a show? I've never gotten that straight. Just say hey, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, you know, go follow us on all the social media stuff. Listen to all the previous episodes we've done. Even if you don't actually want to listen to them, give us those downloads. Um, yeah, and just support us in every way you can. Let's trick the system. All right, exactly what he said. Please do that. We love you all. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I must say, you sound great. Like, your mic quality has gotten better. Remember the first episode when we were in a closet? Yes. Look how far we've come. I know. Now your voice is starting to sound better. Your mic sounds good. Look at um, us. A real podcast. My voice is back, Jack. You still can't sing, though. Baby, I sure can sing. I left you hit the my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> can you hit the high notes yet? Uh, let me try. What's a song with a high note? I shot the sheriff, but I did oh, not God. kill the deputy. Oh, my God. That answers that. Painful. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs>